Hey folks, how are you doing? We are so glad to have you here with us for worship today. And I'm Chris, I'm one of the pastors here at Salem Fields Community Church. Well, I just wanna let you know that at the end of the service, we're gonna be sharing in communion together. So if you can, if you can grab some grape juice or some kind of juice and some bread or crackers, just to have that ready so that way we can share in communion together as the sermon wraps up today. So uh, say hi from wherever you are. Go ahead and type in the chat, say good morning, good evening, whatever time it is by you and if you'll just share with us where you're worshiping from as well as if you could rate your past week what number would you give it a scale of one being the absolute worst week of your life to 10 being the top and we'll be sure to check in with you in the chat box well we're in our sermon series that we're calling crossfit which is about uh, spiritual disciplines about how do we become spiritually fit people and pastor james has a really powerful message today uh one that can be a little bit convicting because he's gonna be talking about confession the confession and the power of confession about not just realizing we've done something wrong, but about how do we go about confessing that to God. So uh, we hope that you experience God in a real way here at Salem Fields from wherever you are. Know that you are a part of this body. You are a part of this, this worship experience here today. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy our worship together. On, let's stand to our feet as we worship together this morning. Father, we just invite you. Our hearts are open to you. Just pray that you'll speak and lead us as we seek you. I've tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me. To carry your victory Perfection could never earn it You give what we don't deserve it You take the broken things And raise them to glory We say You are my champion Giants for when you stand undefeated Every battle you've won I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence I have seen In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who has conquered it all Now I can finally see it You're teaching me how to receive it So let all the striving cease This is my victory Cause you are my champion Giants for Every battle you won, I am who you say I 
And see, and that's the place that we worship from. That's the place that we live from is understanding that we are who he says we are. That we're not who anyone else says that we are. We are not who our circumstances say we are. We are not who our struggles say that we are. And I think the reality is that we need to focus on, that we need to understand, is that uh, our shame and our guilt and our sin will try to speak death over us. And so oftentimes we hide away from God because of our struggle. We hide away from God saying, you know, I can't come before him with this struggle or this weakness or this, this place that I'm just uh, wrestling with. Because we feel that, it, that there's so much shame, there's so much guilt attached to that. You know, I think all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve, they, they sinned. The first thing that they did was hide away from God. But see, God's calling us. He's calling us to bring that sin to his feet. He's calling us to come before him, to just bring it into the light, to bring our struggles, to bring our weaknesses before him. Because hey, we are not the product of that. We are who he says that we are. Amen? And so I just, in, in these moments, in his presence, let's just come before him completely raw, completely honest. Let's just lay everything down at his feet. Let's just run to the Father. Let's not even walk. Let's run to the Father. Let's come into his presence and let's say, here I am, Father. Here I am. Heal what you need to heal. Restore what you need to restore. Uh, forgive what you need to forgive. And then we leave here today victorious because of who he says we are, because of what he did on the cross for us. Let's continue to worship together. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. Laying it down, I'm laying it down, cause I know that I need you. So run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the heart, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. You saw my condition, had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is. Bye. 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, my praise for this I bring. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the blood that. Lift our voices and sing. shed blood on that cross, Lord, that sets us free, Father, from sin, that sets us free from death, God, in the chains that we just find ourselves in, Father God. God, you set us free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed, Lord, and so we just worship you from that posture this morning, Father God, thanking you, thanking you for every gift, thanking you for every blessing. God, we honor you with our worship our lives, Lord. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. Be it Pastor James as he delivers the word this morning. Let us receive it with open hearts and respond to it in obedience, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good to have you here this morning. <clears throat> if you are just joining us for the first time, online or in the auditorium, we've been in a series called CrossFit. And we've been uh, asking this question, how do we uh, grow spiritually uh, and how do we become more like Jesus? And we use as this kind of mega theme a physical workout and we've kind of tied it to some spiritual workout. And our, and our main passage of scripture for the series is 1 Timothy 4.8. Begin to memorize that, and one day we're just going to ask you, and we're going to all say it in unison, but it, it says this, workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit for today, both for today and forever. 
And so here's what we've learned so far, just in case you're taking notes. Here's what we've learned so far, that spiritual growth takes balance. It's all about balance in our lives. We've learned also that we must overcome some growth barriers in our lives if we're going to grow spiritually. We've also talked about some exercises. The first one was meditation. And we talked that it's key to kind of opening up some of the other spiritual exercises. Chewing on the word of God is important. The second spiritual exercise that we've talked about is worship. And, and worship involves the way we live our lives. It's who we are before God both publicly and privately, both internally and externally, both spiritually and physically. This idea of a 24-7, a 24-7 lifestyle worship. How many of you know today that your worship does not begin when you get here on a Sunday or you're in a service or you're at home worshiping kind of in community? Your life is a life of worship 24-7. And so everywhere you go, and everything you do, and everything you say, and all your attitudes and your actions and your motives is all about bringing worth to God. So today, our spiritual exercise is confession. Confession is so misunderstood in the modern Protestant evangelical church. We kind of think of it as something that harkens back to our Catholic roots, something that's in the past, something that's not necessary due to grace. But we couldn't be further from the truth because confession is P90X for our souls. Watch this. Hello, Planet Earth. Tony Horton here. That's right. It's P90X exclusively for Xbox Fitness. Let me be your personal trainer with exclusive workouts only on Xbox Fitness. It's real-time feedback. You're going to be able to see your fit points. You're going to be able to see your heart rate. You're also going to be able to see those muscles under tension. I'm not talking about intensity here. When it comes to core, balance, speed, all of it. It is time to challenge yourself. I wonder if he's working his core. They're brand new. Brand new workouts that are just for Xbox One and Xbox Fitness. Having some fun yet? We've learned a lot in the last 15 years. There's new movements, more core fitness. It's about speed, balance, range, and motion. And these brand new exclusive P90X workouts have all of it. A lot of these movements that don't require a lot of equipment, they're fun. We add the fun because we know the fun works. That's what keeps you coming back. Get the results that you want. Ignite your motivation. I didn't even know that P90X was on Xbox. I mean, that's new to me. I didn't even know that. Well, I had a little confession to do recently myself a couple of weeks ago. I, I had uh, one of those long weeks, one of those long weeks eating bad food with very few workouts. And, and Jordan, who trains me and does my legs and he trains me, he said, hey, James, I have not been seeing I've not been seeing your workouts. We're kind of connected to our watch, and when I work out, I turn my watch.
watch on, my iWatch or whatever you call it, and I put it on, and so he knows exactly when I work out. So he said, I haven't been seeing your workouts lately. And I said, well, I had a bad week. And he said, have you been at Popeye's again? And I said, well, you know, it depends on what Popeye's is, right? You know, I saw Popeye the Cellar Man on TV and everything like that, and, and you know the rest of the story. It had been one of those bad weeks when I was eating out of the box constantly, and I wasn't doing any workouts. I, I did, I think, twi two workouts that week, and so it was a bad week. And, and so it, it wasn't a bad food that did me in. It was because Jordan pushed me harder because I hadn't been exercising, and I had been eating very, very poorly. And boy, did I pay for it. Confession, P90X for your soul. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, was big on confession. In fact, his autobiography of memoirs includes 13 books of confessions. It, it was said that Augustine was so, he was so wanting to be forgiven by God for his sins that he would crawl up and down the steps on his hands and knees uh, before God from sunup to sundown trying to atone for his sins. Can you say reformation? Thank God for the reformation. Maybe this is why we have so many hangups when it comes to confession. Webster's Dictionary defines confession as a statement in which you say that you've done something wrong. Number two, the act of telling people something that makes you embarrassed or ashamed. Number three, the act of telling your sins to God. So this, this, during this message, I'm going to ask a number of questions and then answer for you. Questions that I believe most people ask about confession. Number one, do we need to confess our sins as Christian belongers to receive forgiveness? I mean, that's the question that we ask. Because we, we've grown up in this situation where we say, well, I don't need to confess my sins. God will take care of that. I thought that when I received Jesus as Savior, I was forgiven of all of my sins. Well, first, we need to understand that as a Christian, we've been forgiven in a judicial sense. But as Christians, we need to seek forgiveness in a relational sense. Let me help you us out. So the key verse for confession in the Bible is this, Psalms 139, 23 to 24. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me on the road to eternal life. This is David, a, a, a confession song of David. How many of you have ever done P90X or Peloton or some type of workout to, the such, a, to, the such, a, to such extreme that you were sweaty afterwards? Anybody like that do workouts and you get sweaty? I don't like to sweat. I don't like to sweat. Because when I sweat, things happen, right? So, so I don't like to sweat, but, but I, do, I do extreme exercises, uh, and, and I begin to sweat. And, and, and usually when I do these exercises and I begin to sweat, I get this beautiful smell about me, right? That's not great for hanging out. The truth is, I sweat a lot. I sweat like a stuck pig. Maybe you've heard that statement before. I find it's not beneficial for relationships that I'm in when I'm all sweaty and I smell like well, I smell when I'm sweaty. 
Yeah, so, so when I work out, when I do extreme exercises and I'm sweating, I, I understand that, that I need a shower. And, and, and after I've showered and, and I've got kind of the B.O. off of me, is better for relationships. You know, it's better for, for me to be showered and, and taken care of than to kind of try to do relationships with body odor. Have you ever been in a situation where someone was trying to do relationship with body odor? And you're trying to hold your breath and talk at the same time. You ever done that? You just, you, you're holding your breath so you can't breathe the body odor in. And, and you're trying to talk and be nice and not let someone know that you can smell them. I, I had this good sense of being able to smell what I smell like. And so I know if I can smell me, then other people can smell me. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the exercise of confession, which is like taking a shower to remove body odor so that we can go about our lives in this world. Question number two, what does confession entail? I mean, is it, the, is it the prayer booth with the curtain and you just kind of talk to a screen and you don't see the other person? What if, does confession entail? If you grew up in the situation that I grew up in, the last thought that comes to your mind is cleansing when it comes to confession. I mean, that's the last thing that comes to your mind. In fact, I get sweaty just thinking about having to ha confess something to my parents or to confess something to my youth pastor. I mean, I would just get sweaty even thinking about it. As we study what the Bible talks about when it talks about confession, we're going to discover that confession is not something to fear. It's not something to fear, but something that can cleanse the body odor, the spiritual body odor of our lives, and prepare us for a deeper relationship with the Lord. Would you turn with me to Psalms 32, verses 1 through 5? This psalm was probably written after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband, her husband Uriah, assassinated to cover up his sin. And, and this, psalm is, this psalm is probably after that Nathan, the prophet, comes and confronts David with his adultery and his murder for hire scheme and says to David, you're the man, but not in a good way. Most of the time when someone says you're the man, you kind of feel good about it. David didn't feel good about Nathan saying you're the man because Nathan came and gave him this story, this story about a, a rich man and a poor man, a rich man who had all kinds of animals and livestock and a poor man that had one little lamb. And the rich man had guests come and, and decide instead of killing one of his livestock, he kills this poor man's little lamb. And David hears that, and David says, the person who did that is terrible and deserves to die. And Nathan says, David, you're the man. This psalm was probably written after that. Listen to what it says. Count yourself lucky. How happy you must be to get a fresh start. Your slate wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words become, became daily groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up, and then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. 
my sin disappeared. David was a man who knew how unconfessed sin could sap his spiritual strength and how confessing could bring about renewed strength in the Lord through a closer relationship. Now, before we get into this passage specifically, we need to ask some bigger questions about confession and forgiveness. The first question, if I receive Jesus as my Savior, aren't I already forgiven? The second question is, doesn't Jesus forgive all of our sins when we receive, when we receive him, past, present, and future? We need to understand a couple of things about confession and forgiveness. Number one, first we need to understand that as Christian belongers, we have forgiveness in a judicial sense. For all those who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, Romans 8.1 says this, those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer live under a continuous low black cloud. So in a judicial sense, our sins, all of them, past, present, and future, have been atoned for on the cross, and we receive this forgiveness when we receive Jesus as our Savior, when we become belongers. Now, I want you to understand that even though Jesus died for the sins of the world, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not forgiven, and you need to receive Christ. You do that by believing on him wherever you are, by believing in him and confessing you believe in him, and for his grace to atone for your sins. You believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he really did come, that he really did get up on Easter Sunday morning, that he in fact was God in the flesh, that he died for your sins and in your place, and he rose again on the third day. When you truly believe, the Bible says, when you truly believe this from your heart of hearts and you confess you have salvation and forgiveness from a judicial sense. Romans 10, 9 says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Thank God for this gift of salvation and the forgiveness he gives when we receive Jesus. Now, even though, even though we receive Jesus as our Savior and, and, and we have God's forgiveness in a judicial sense, we also need forgiveness in a relational sense. Throughout the scriptures, we see the followers, the followers of God seeking and needing forgiveness. David, the writer of this psalm, when he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he needed forgiveness. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart, and he needed forgiveness, and, and he confessed his sin to God and, and, and got back in a right relationship. Another example of this is Jesus when he's washing his disciples' feet. The night before he went to the cross, he's washing his disciples' feet, and he got to Peter, and Peter was not having any of it. Peter was not, Peter understood the, the idea that, that the servants watched people's feet and, and, and he understood the idea that, that Jesus was Messiah, that Jesus was the Lord, that he was the rabbi and, and no rabbi should be washing the feet of the people who are following him and so Peter didn't have any of it. Bible says it this way, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew his time had come to lead the world and to go to the Father, and having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time, and the devil, the devil by now had Judas, son of Simon, Iscariot, firmly in his grip, 
all set for betrayal. And Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and that he was on his way back to God. And so he got it from the supper table and he set aside his rope and he put on an apron, a servant's apron. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and drying them with his apron. And when he got to Simon Peter, Simon Peter said, Master, <laughs> you wash my feet. And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear to you later. And then Peter responded, Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. And Jesus said, if, you don't, if I don't wash you, you cannot be part of what I'm doing. Master said, Peter, not only my feet, wash my hands, wash my head. Then Peter wanted a whole bath. <laughs> and Jesus said, if you've had a bath in the morning, you only need to wash your feet. You're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of you. He knew who was betraying him. That's why he said, not every one of you. See, Christ talked about, and not everyone, some of you are clean, but, but not Judas, meaning you, you've been forgiven in a judicial sense. But, but we walk around the world and, and we're tempted, and, and sometimes in that temptation we fall, and because of that we, we need to come and we confess, and, and then we are restored in a relational sense. We need Jesus to wash our feet. We need him to forgive us so that we're stored relationally into fellowship with him. So even Christians, even belongers need confessing and, and need to receive forgiveness so that we can have fellowship with the, world, with the Lord. There are a couple other questions here. But, but what does it mean to confess? I can hear someone asking that question. The second one, when we confess our sins, what are we saying? What do we say when we confess our sins? Number three, what does confession include? Confession is more than just some words that we mutter to God. Our words would be a part of what confession includes, but biblical confession also includes agreement. Agreement with God, God the Holy Spirit that convicts us and says what you've done is wrong, your attitude was wrong, your motives are wrong, and, and we got to agree, yes, Lord, I was wrong. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've sinned. You have to believe what you've done is wrong. And, and, and if you don't, you're not really confessing. Here's the reality. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all been in the position where we've blown it. We've all been in the position. There's not one person who ever walked the face of the earth who did not sin except for Jesus, the sinless one. So we've all been in that position of having to come to the, come to the Lord and confess our sins. And, and if, we're, we're really, if, we're really, if we're really truthful and transparent this morning, that, that we're in this constant sense of confession, right? Wrong attitude, wrong motive. It's this idea that, that if I don't do what I should do, it, it can be sin. And so we're in this sense of, and I'm, I'm not saying that we're totally bowed down and bent over by sin. I'm not saying that we wallow in the sin and kind of stay there. But as we walk this life, temptations come our way. We have besetting things that can, sin that can beset us and, and throw us off the path. And constantly like David, I'm saying, Lord, search me and know me. See if there be anything in me that would keep me from being in relationship with you. 
And God, if you'll point it out, I'll confess it. If you'll point it out, I'll walk away from it. If you will point it out, God, I will get it right with you. Confession includes recognizing and agreeing with God that we've sinned. Confession also includes godly, what I call godly sorrow over sin. I'm not talking about people who are sorry because they got caught. Everybody's sorry when they get caught and they know they're going to have to deal with consequences. I'm talking about when I'm sorry before I get caught. When I'm sorry not because I got caught, but I'm sorry because what I've done is wrong and it's separated my relationship with God and has damaged my relationship with the people around me because as I said last week, sin never is about just one person. As I'm fond of saying, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. It comes right on home with us and sin breaks our relationship vertical with God and our relationship horizontal with others. Esau was like this. Esau had the kind of what I call worldly sorrow instead of godly sorrow. After he sold his birthright and he realized he was not going to get the blessing of his father, he was sorry, not because he had, he had taken the shortcut and sold his birthright, not because he had made a kind of a quick decision, didn't think through the decision. He was sorry because he wasn't going to get his father's blessing Hebrews 12, 17 says it like this. You know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but then it was too late. Tears or no tears. He had a worldly sorrow, but he didn't have a godly sorrow. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he talks about this godly sorrow and the difference between the two. And this is what he says, I know I distress you greatly with my letter. Although I felt awful at the time, I don't feel at all bad now that I see how it turned out. The letter upset you, but only for a while. Now I'm glad not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God, not drive you away from him. The result was all gain and no loss. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain, but those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on the deathbed of regrets. In other words, Paul was saying sometimes God will bring something into our lives, the Nathan into the lives, the word of God into the lives, the convicting spirit into our lives that, that drives us to God, that drives us to confession and drives us to godly sorrow. Finally, biblical confession will also include a desire and a determination not to do the same thing again, to not commit the same sin again. This doesn't mean that if you confess a sin in the past and you commit it again, that you didn't really feel a godly sorrow or that you were not repentant and that your confession was fake. We're all going to face temptation. We're all going to face things that kind of have a hook on us. And, and God is in the process of sanctifying us or making us holy in the process of separating us from those desires and, and those weaknesses and those besetting sins. And it takes some time. It's, we call it a growth, a growth in our spiritual walk. 
It would be nice that as soon as we gave our lives to the Lord that the, the magic wand would be waved and all of this stuff, all of this temptation would go away, but that's not the way it was. And that's not the way it is. Jesus was tempted and he was the son of God. We're going to face temptation in this life. And sometimes you'll confess it and, and you'll ask God to forgive you and, and you'll, be, you'll mean it and you'll be truthful and you'll have godly sorrow and, and some, sometimes some, some kind of temptation will beset you again. This does mean, though, that we cannot confess our sins before the Lord with the intention of going back and doing it again. When I was a teenager, I, I, would, I, would just, I, I couldn't wait to get back to the church. So I could get back to the church so I could confess my sin. And as a teenager, there were a lot of them. At least for me, maybe not for some of our spirit-filled teenagers here. And, that's, and I'm glad for that. Don't take my example. And, and I would go to the altar and I couldn't wait to get back to church because I had this idea that I had to go to the altar to church. I don't know why I didn't think I could confess my sins at home. But, but I would go back to the church, but the problem was I would go back to the church and confess my sins, and then I had no intention of doing anything different the next week, but hoping that I could make live long enough and make it long enough to get back to the church so I can confess my sins again. That cheapens the grace of God. Paul talked about this. Should we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? By all means, no. Paul says that so strongly. No, no, no. Confess on Sunday and you'll be good for another week of sinning on Monday. That's not biblical confession. That's a mockery of God's grace. If we confess with a mindset, with that mindset, we are insulting the spirit of grace. And we should not expect any forgiveness from that type of confession. Okay. So, what is real confession? And, and what are the effects of what are the effects of real confession? Do we really need to confess? Does it really matter in our lives? Can't we just move on without digging up old turds or dredging up the wrongs that we've done? I mean, wouldn't it be better just to forget about things and move on? We're according to scripture that we're looking at today, Psalms 32. David talks about the effects it had on him when he didn't confess and when he did. Here's what we find. When we, when we don't confess, we suffer physically. That there's a physical suffering that happens when we have the weight of sin and guilt in our lives. When we, when we have our sins and our transgressions bottled up on the inside, it affects us, right? There's secrets that, that we keep inside that we believe uh, that nothing will be wrong, will be all right. But David says, when I kept it inside, my bones turned to powder. My words become day-long groans. His lack of confession caused him to suffer physically. But that physical suffering was due to how it affected him emotionally. When we don't confess, we suffer not only physically, but emotionally. Someone said, you're only as sick as your secrets. Look at verse 4. Right after that, he talks about his physical suffering. He says, 
um, it's because the pressure never lived up, let up, and all the juices of my life dried up. We cannot keep our mistakes, our failures, our sin bottled up on the inside without consequences. It will affect us inside and out. Have you ever seen a person who, who can't just forgive? They, they have all kinds of grudges and they have all kinds of stuff going on in their lives and, and they don't feel good. And, and it can all be because they, they are have unconfessed sin in their lives and because they can't forgive themselves or allow God to forgive them, they can't forgive anyone else and they go through life just miserable. Maybe today you're like that and you can't figure out what's wrong. One of the questions I would ask is, is ask God the Holy Spirit to search you, to know you, to see if there's any unconfessed sin in your life. Let me say this to you. That's a prayer that God will answer. If you ask the question, God, is there anything in my life that's unconfessed? Is there anything that, that's keeping me from being in right relationship with you? Would you point that out in my life? God will answer that prayer. The truth is when we keep it all inside, unconfessed, in the dark, we give the adversary a foothold in our lives. See, the idea is that the adversary will say to you that if you confess things, if, if you have this confession thing, then they're, they're going to all laugh at you. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna think worse of you. And so we keep it hidden and we keep it locked inside and then it begins to destroy us. And the adversary, every time you, you go to make some movement, the adversary will say, but what about that sin? What about that situation? What about that secret? What about that thing that you haven't confessed or you haven't dealt with? Psalm 32.5 says it like this. Then I let it out. I said I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved and disappeared. Psalm 32, 1-2 says this, count yourself lucky how happy you must be to get a fresh start. Your slate wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you and you're holding nothing back from him. That there's a sense that when we let it all out and, and we begin to confess to God and we begin to share the, 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 the stuff in our lives, the, the failures and the secrets and the lies and the sin, that, that something happens, the light shines in our lives and there's no, light always dispels the darkness and the reality is sometimes we can't go we can't move we can't do anything because we got this bo we got this bo spiritual bo in our lives and we can't do relationship with others we can't do relationship with god and confession is like that nice hot shower that just washes that all away some of you are thinking well james you don't know what i've done you don't, you don't have the past that I have. You, you haven't committed the sins I have. I, I am beyond forgiveness. This is a lie. It's a lie. You're not beyond forgiveness. There's nothing that you've done. There's no place you've gone. God, God's grace is able to forgive and set us free if we will do the work, the exercise of confession, forgiveness is available to anyone who puts their trust in Christ. God's promise for us is that when we come to him, confession, confession that includes what we've talked about earlier, not just confessing with our words, 
but confessing in real repentance and a turning away from and a new beginning, he will forgive us. He is faithful to keep his promises. There are no conditions other than real confession and repentance. When we confess, we experience freedom from guilt. Have you ever had the chain and ball just loading you down? That's not God's will for us. David says, then I let it all out. I said, I'm going to make a clean breast of my failures to God. And suddenly, suddenly, the pressure was gone. See, the adversary will have you and I believe that confession is the bad thing. That, that confession is the bad thing. When the reality is confession is that which sets us free. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle John says that we confess that God purifies us. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, if we make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us from all wrongdoing. This purifying that, that releases the, this form of guilt and, uh, and of sin in our lives brings us into a right relationship with God. So what is your need today? Do you, do you need to be restored into fellowship with God? Maybe you need to receive kind of this initial forgiveness so that you can be forgiven in a judicial sense by receiving the forgiveness that Christ has provided upon the cross Maybe you're not in relationship with him. Maybe you're still doing your own thing, going your own way and suffering the consequences of doing that. Ultimately, it's about confessing our sins. And, and, and the scripture says it's not just about confessing our sins vertically, but, but, but James talks about confessing our sins to one another. This is what he says, that when we confess our sins to one another, it brings, it, it brings stuff into the light, and we experience even greater freedom. Listen to what he says. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet, and if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this a common practice. Confess your sins each other and pray, to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something power to be powerful to be reckoned with. And, and confession is important, and, and, and it's important that we do it the right way, right? I, I remember the story that, that one of my professors told me about a guy who got up in church, and he was feeling sorry for something he did, and he got up in church and said, Pastor, I, I need to confess something. And, and he got up, and, and the, well, the whole church was listening, because if someone gets up and says, they need to confess something, even if we're not listening to the sermon, our ears perk up, right? And so he says, Pastor, I just want to confess that I've been lusting after Mr. Johnson's wife for 11 years. And you can imagine that didn't go over well, that Mr. Johnson didn't appreciate that. But there's a way to do it. Go to the pastor, go to Mr. Johnson one-on-one, not in a public situation, one-on-one, have the conversation. And there's something about that kind of confession that grows us. There's something about that, confession, that kind of confession that's like a shower over our lives. So examine yourselves this morning. Let's examine ourselves and see if there's anything that the Lord will reveal to us that we need to confess and if there is, confess it. 
agree with the Lord that is sin, recognize that it caused Jesus to go to the cross on our behalf and to take the punishment that we deserved and then put steps in your life, steps of accountability to help you avoid falling into the same trap again. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to end this message with uh, what I call confession through communion. And when you got here this morning, there should have been a cup there on your seat. And it looks like this. Go ahead and take that cup out. And I'm going to give you instructions on how we're going to do it. And, and here's what I learned. I learned this from Buddy Marston, your former pastor, one of your former pastors. When I was young here and I was executive pastor here in my early days, and, well, Buddy just taught me this, and I've never forgotten it. I've never gotten this idea of confession through communion. The, he talked about how when you take the bread, you can say, God, as I take this bread, I, I'm confessing this to you, and I want to give this to you, and I want you to forgive me. And then as I take the cup, the blood of the new covenant, I pray that you would allow it to wash over me and that you will forgive me. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my blood spilled out for you, the blood of the new covenant. And he says, as often as you take this bread and take this cup, you do remember my death until I come. Paul goes on to say, just don't take it unworthily. Don't just take it flippantly, but examine yourselves. And this is it's a great opportunity it's a great fresh start opportunity. If you're at home, go ahead and take that bread out and the juice out. And we're going to take it together at home and, and, and in Virginia and, and, and around the United States and all over the globe today, maybe. We're going to take it together. So would you take the, the bread? And would you take that? Father, today we thank you for your broken body. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that your body was broken for us. And as we take this bread today, Father, we, we kind of recognize whatever you've pointed out in our lives. We confess it. We agree that it's sin. And we agree that, that, that what you did on the cross is enough to take care of it. Take the bread and let's eat it together and be thankful. You can flip that cup over, or at home, just pull out the cup. I like to say, Jesus said, this blessed for you. The blood of the new covenant, a new covenant, a new agreement. As you take the cup today, would you do so knowing that it's the blood of the lamb that takes away the sins of the world? Would you take it and be grateful? Father, we thank you for your broken body and your shed blood on our behalf. And today, Father, as we all over this, this building and in our homes and wherever we are, as we, as we confess, as we come to you and say, God, here I am. Search me, O oh God, and know me. And Father, I thank you for the freedom that happens in confession. When we confess to you vertically, when we confess to one another, I thank you for the freedom. I thank you, Father, that people are being set free in the auditorium and all over, all over the place online. People are being set free this morning. We thank you. 
We thank you, you're the God who forgives as we come and confess to you, Father. As we come with you, to you in real sorrow and confession, you will forgive us and you will cleanse us and, and you will separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Father. We don't deserve it. It's your grace that makes it possible. Thank you, Father. We give you praise for what you've done. Whether you're a person being forgiven for the first time from a traditional perspective, or maybe you're a belonger and a Christian, and today you just need to be forgiven relationally and, and come back into a right relationship with God. Wherever you are this morning, thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for his forgiveness. Lord, we love you today. We praise you for what you've done on the cross and what you're doing right now in our lives. We give you praise. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. We're so thankful that you all joined us this morning. We would invite you to... Uh, just, man, take this moment with you, right? I mean, it's, it's the worst thing in the world, I feel like, sometimes is the Holy Spirit's working and you feel this this time and then you kind of have to get up and leave, you know, and go back into everything. But that doesn't mean that you can't have this moment at home and a continuation of this kind of confessing moment, this interfacing moment with the Holy Spirit. So just don't don't just rush out and, and kind of just leave it as a thing behind. Man, take it with you, you know? Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd, I'd ask you just one favor. When you get home today or wherever you're going, would you check in on Facebook and let people know that, that you are here and that they can come join us here? Um, it'd be great. We're going to be here at 11 and have the same powerful message and the same time of confession as well. But uh, don't forget tithes and offerings, folks. You know, we receiving them on the app or the kiosk outside. If you want, you can write and use an envelope. Uh, or just use your phone. It's really easy. If you're online, just press the green tab, and, uh, and that's how you can receive that, connection cards. We found that recently a lot of people aren't using the connection cards, and it's just simply a way for us to stay connected to you so we can pray for you. We can, we can be uh, part of this community with you. We love that you're here, but we also want to sort of just be weekly with you. So if you have prayer requests or you have thoughts or things that we can share with you, that's what that's about. So you can go to salemfields.com front slash contact and just let us know if there's anything we can pray or help with, right? We've got people that are going in and out of the hospital and all these things. And, and honestly, it's hard for us to scan Facebook and find that out. So if you would just let us know, we want to pray with you and, and be be a church with you. Um, Easter's coming up, as you know, we're, we're asking you to to serve and attend one. Attend one, serve one. Um, if we do that, then we can welcome all of the, the hundreds to thousands of people that participate in this. But what we're doing this year is something a little different, um, newer maybe. If you want information, there's a QR code up there. It's a cool looking box on the right. All you have to do is take your phone out and aim the camera at it, turn on the camera app. And if you do that, it'll take you immediately to a link which will help you, give you all the information, how to sign up, how to serve, everything you need to know right there. So if you're not that kind of person and you don't have a cellular phone, 
get one. All right, it's 2021. It's probably time to go ahead and uh, and go and hook that up. And you know, that's all I can tell you. But if if you don't, you know, we can get all the information uh, elsewhere. But you'll see these QR codes going forward, popping up all over the place for announcements and everything. That's what that's going to do. So just use your camera. That's all you have to do. Next weekend, the Egg Venture is coming up. We still connect with families. And we still connect with families that don't necessarily come here, that have just come from the community. The egg venture is a fun thing. We're going to hide eggs all around the property. We'd ask you to show up with your family, be a part of it. We're going to have crafts and all those things, but invite a family. Honestly, people, if they're invited, they'll come. You know, families are sick of being cooped up at home. They're looking for things to do. They're looking for ways to celebrate. And they are just sitting and waiting for someone to invite them. Egg Venture is a great way to do that. So if you know a family, invite them. Come on out. Have a good time. Find some eggs and some candy and some whatever stuff they stuff in there. Maybe $100 bills. James is very generous. So there's a high probability there's going to be $100 bills just all through the parking lot. So come get that. If that doesn't happen, blame it on him. So, again, we're thankful so much. Uh, we're going to raise the lights, and the, uh, the folks are going to come help you out. I guess they're going to start from the front, move your way to the back. Have a great day. God bless you. Well, thanks so much for joining us for worship today. I hope that you experience God in a real way in the music and the message, and especially in our time of communion together. And communion can be a really powerful thing when we come before the Lord with all of who we are and all of our needs. And don't be a stranger. Don't hesitate to reach out. We want to connect with you and whatever that looks like. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, anything you'd like to chat with us about, just please email us at info at salemfields.com. We'd love to even set up a call or a video chat just to be able to talk. So you are a part of this congregation just as much as anybody that is physically present in any of the seats. And also just a note, we're going to be having our Zoom lobby time each week. And that takes place in between the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services around 10.15. So please hop on that. We would love for you to participate. It's a chance for us to just talk a little bit about our lives and about the message and also pray together. And the link for that, that can be found in the chat box. Or you can also email me directly at chris, K-R-I-S, at salemfields.com. So God bless. Have an awesome week. And we hope to see you again next week. Take care.